The information that we share today is from our own personal experiences and does not constitute medical advice. We do not endorse any products or services. Any said products or services mentioned on this podcast may not be suitable for you or your condition. Please consult with your physician if you have medical questions as it may pertain to your condition. Hey everyone, welcome back to this week's episode on Take a Pain Check. Today, I get to talk to Alina. Alina is a recent McMaster graduate in the field of gerontology and health studies. So hi, Alina, I'm really happy to have you on today. Can you start off by introducing yourself and telling me a little bit more about your diagnosis? Okay, hi, thank you for having me. And I have something called PSA, which stands for psoriatic arthritis. And um, basically it's a subgroup of arthritis. So I have all of the regular symptoms of arthritis, like um, the, the, the joint pain and the inflammation and the chronic fatigue, But what makes it psoriatic arthritis is I also have inflammation of the skin. So when I have flare-ups with my joints, sometimes my skin will get very dry, flaky, inflamed patches. And um, I got diagnosed with that right in the beginning of the pandemic. So that was very interesting. But I do believe that I had it um, a couple years before I actually really realized what it was. I had the typical fatigue and the swelling joints. And I always thought I had tendonitis or maybe I was on my feet for too long and didn't really think that I could even have arthritis, but here I am living with arthritis every day. (laughs) And a little bit more about me. I live in Hamilton, um, Ontario, but I grew up in Toronto and I had moved here for school because McMaster University is in Hamilton. And yeah, now I live in downtown Hamilton with my fiance and my dog and my two bunnies and now I'm here. <laughs> what a fun life. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned that you had obviously psoriatic arthritis is like a skin related condition. Um, yeah. And you did mention that, you know, you have like random like rashes or like dryness. So what do you do to kind of suppress what's going on or like treat it? Like what is, what does your doctor recommend? Because obviously for JIA, it's like actual medications and like methotrexate but is there any like topical things or is it also like the same like methotrexate biologics so i do use biologics and um previously i've used selfazalazine and i've used celebrex as well which i feel like whenever you go to a rheumatologist the first medication they give you is always celebrex and then they move you on to selfazalazine um, those worked okay for me. They they didn't help with my skin issues though. They relieved some of the symptoms of your you know regular arthritis or rheumatoid arthritis, but it didn't help with my skin at all. So my doctor decided to put me on mesotrexate, which I don't believe really helps my skin either, to be completely honest. Um, but I do feel like I am lucky because I don't have severe psoriasis like at all. I just um, I have it mostly on the back of my neck. Usually whenever you get psoriasis, it usually starts on the baseline of your scalp and then sometimes the back of your neck. And for me, it was the back of my neck. And because I have long hair, no one really sees it. So you wouldn't be able to tell because it doesn't go anywhere else in my body like it does for some people. So for me, because it's so mild, if I just get over the counter um, hydrocortisone, I believe, I think it's usually... If you go to shoppers or any of like your local pharmacy, you can just get like a 1% hydrocortisone topical cream. And if I put that on the back of my neck after I've showered, 
it will make it not as itchy. It'll still kind of be there and very inflamed because I haven't found anything that stops the inflammation yet. But in terms of the dryness and the itchiness, it definitely helps with that. That makes a lot more sense because I'm like, yeah, you can have like things orally, but don't you have to put something like topically? So. Yeah, I, I do find I always feel a lot better if I remember to put topical stuff on it. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you did mention that you have like other joint pain and it's kind of like rheumatoid arthritis, like your hands, your wrists, your feet. Are those also affected? Yeah, so most commonly with um, PSA, so psoriatic arthritis, um, most of your joint pain usually starts in your fingers, your toes and your wrists and your knees. And so for me, in the beginning, it was my knees. But because, you know, when I was younger, I previously had a couple of surgeries on my knees. I thought, hey, this swelling is probably maybe just like um, scar tissue or something like that. I never thought anything of it. And then my feet or my toes more specifically started getting very, my doctor likes to call them pudgy. And she said that is technically a medical term, pudgy toes, which you wouldn't think is, but it is. So yes, it started in my toes, I would get really swollen. And then really, it was my wrist before my fingers. And it's strange to say, Oh, yeah, my wrist gets swollen. And everyone's like, how what does a swollen wrist look like? But yeah, my wrist swells up really bad. Um, and my fingers do get pretty bad. Okay, so it's kind of everything that someone with like rheumatoid arthritis experience plus the skin. Uh, yeah, that's such an easy way to put it. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you have like external stuff going on there. So, okay, it's in the back of your neck, so you can easily hide it. Do you think that that's, that's been helpful for you? You haven't yeah. had situations where people like make comments because it's so like invisible? Yeah, I've been really, really lucky. I know a lot of people who have psoriatic arthritis and psoriasis who, you know, it's just, it's completely destroyed the way that their skin looks. And I like, I feel so bad for them sometimes because it's, so, so PSA, psoriatic arthritis is technically an invisible illness, but if you have the very, very severe psoriasis, it's not invisible anymore because you can clearly see the autoimmune condition. So yeah. for me, because I don't have really bad psoriasis on my arms, on my neck, on my face, really anywhere visible, it's still considered like an invisible illness like arthritis is. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just, I feel really lucky that it's not, I don't get out of control flares with my skin. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of been in control and you've yeah. been okay in surviving. Yeah. yeah, and so like, I'm assuming it's like itchy and dry, like you mentioned. So do you like itch it a lot? And like, does anything happen? Or do you like resist yourself from like itching? Like, does your doctor tell you like not to? Yes, my doctor tells me don't itch it, don't touch it, because that can lead to infection, right? Because if you scratch it so much, you get that open wound, and then you touch yeah. it again. And then it's just like a whole infectious control problem. But for me, um, I feel like I'm pretty good at not scratching it. <laughs> Unless I'm in the shower, because if I'm taking a shower and I'm putting like regular shampoo on my like scalp, it makes it super, super itchy right in that moment. And so I'll scratch it, but then there's soap all in my hair. So it starts to sting. And that's the number one time I have to be like, don't touch your scalp. Don't like itch it too hard. Mm -hmm. That's definitely my moment of weakness when it gets irritated by like regular shampoos and stuff. <laughs> you Does that mean you use different shampoo? Like you have like special products? Well, I'm supposed to, yes. So usually people who have psoriasis and they want to use a, a shampoo, it's called Selsun Blue. Oh, I know that. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's not a very pretty bottle. It's not aesthetically pleasing. It doesn't really smell that great. So sometimes I will just use your regular Pantene, which I know is not good for people with skin conditions, <laughs> especially on their scalp. But I'm human and I'm flawed and I make mistakes. So I don't use Celsius <laughs> as much as I should. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting that you bring that up. So I went on Biologics and that causes discoloration sometimes. And that happened to be behind my neck. And my family doctor told me to use Celsius Blue and it like helped me so much. I know you're not using it, but like it literally helped me so much. And it's like gone now for like the longest time. And so that shampoo really did me wonders. There's no no ad, by the way. <laughs> like anyone yeah. that you go your free tip of the day Celsius blue <laughs> yeah it's it was really helpful like my doctor recommended that to me but I know like it probably depends on like the severity of things and things like that so don't take don't take her advice for that but obviously you got your diagnosis psoriatic arthritis and that was you said 21 23 yeah I was 21 because it was the, the middle of the or the beginning of the pandemic so in 2020 how was life like getting a diagnosis during the pandemic you know honestly it, it wasn't too difficult for me and i think that makes my experience unique because a lot of people do say that it's really hard to find a rheumatologist or a specialist but um my family doctor i've actually he's my parents family doctor and my grandparents family doctor so he's oh. been he knows my family he knows my you know family medical history inside and out and we have like a very good connection just because I grew up with him and he knows my parents and everything. So I've been really lucky to have a really good relationship with my GP because, you know, they're the first per first people you talk to when you first, you know, have some type of bodily dysfunction and you're like, what do I do next? He was really good. He set me up with a rheumatologist um, that was actually very close to my house because I, I told him where I lived and I've always told him that it's been really important to me to find a specialist or a clinic that's close to my house. Um, so he did that for me. My rheumatologist is actually a five minute walk from my house, which is really awesome. And I met her. It took me about maybe a month to get the appointment. And the appointment was three months from the date that I actually received the letter in the mail. So it took me about four months to actually see my rheumatologist, which I feel like during a pandemic was probably the best I could have hoped for. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, you're right. A lot of people that get diagnosed during the pandemic don't have the best stories to share. They are. It's always like something horrific. Yeah, it's always been a horror story. But no, I feel like I was just really blessed to get one so quickly and one who I actually really love. And she's amazing. Yeah. So you were in university during this time. My last year. Yeah. So how is that getting that diagnosis and your university obviously have friends? I think we all have friends and family. How did your friends and family react to your diagnosis? Well, my my family, um, they were pretty supportive from the beginning. I think it shocked them the average amount that someone would be shocked when you come to them and say, yeah, you know, I'm 21 years old and I have so, you know severe arthritis. Everyone's like, kind of taken aback by that, right? And the younger you are, the more taken aback they are by it. Um, but for them, it, it was really easy for them to be like, okay, sure, you know, that's the diagnosis you got. What are we going to do about it? How are we going to approach this? And, you know, what's, how can you live like your best quality of life? So I'm really grateful. You know, I have really good parents and a really good sister, even though she's annoying sometimes, she's not too bad. <laughs> um, but I think in terms of friends, um, I didn't really have the best experience with telling um, one of my closest friends that I had PSA. Um, 
I think it was more difficult for her <laughs> than it was for me to kind of internalize it. Um, and I don't know if this is just an, ex an experience that was unique to me because I haven't really found a lot of people that this has happened to. But um, once I got diagnosed, she sort of started like mimicking my symptoms a little bit. So she made it kind of more about her than it was about me. And I would say, you know, like my joints really hurt today. Like I can't go out and she'd be like, oh yeah, like my joints, you know, really hurt too. And like, I can't walk and things like that. So she really just tried to sort of make my diagnosis a little bit more about her than it was about me. And I think that caused a really big riff in our friendship. And I think as all of us in the, you know, autoimmune community know it can sometimes be a really long wait until you see a doctor and they get you on medication and they make a finalized diagnosis. Because I think for me, even though I saw my rheumatologist very quickly, um, it took the process was probably about five to six months to really from when I my doctor got me at the appointment to when we actually had figured out what it was and the right medication to take. But my, my friend, you know, had claimed that she got an appointment to see a rheumatologist in three weeks and she got the same diagnosis as me and she started the same medication as me, but somehow did all of this in a condensed three weeks while I had to go through the process of six months of getting it all done. So, I mean, that was, that was extremely devastating for me because it was, I was probably one of the most vulnerable times in my life as it is with anyone who has an autoimmune condition when they first get diagnosed. And it takes a lot of sort of inward self-reflection and really sitting with your diagnosis and being like, oh my gosh, this is my new life now. What am I supposed to do? But to not have a really close support system or just have that support system mimic a lot of the really hard feelings that you're going through was very very difficult for me it was not easy <laughs> how what okay first of all that's clearly not your friend and I you're probably not friends with this person right no um but the funny thing is is I really I I would have been because you know after a couple months of dealing with this I uh, had brought it up to her and I you know very politely because she was my friend and I loved her I was like hey you know I I'm really just like uncomfortable about talking you know, about like my illness with you, because I feel like you're sort of like an echo chamber. And, you know, that makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. And, you know, you didn't let my diagnosis be about me before it became about us. And, you know, I like didn't really appreciate it. And it's kind of made me uncomfortable. Um, and that I don't think really went that well, <laughs> to be honest. What was her reaction to you saying that? Like, did she kind of say no, like, I'm actually experiencing this? Um, yeah, but she told me that um, I lacked empathy and I wasn't a oh. kind person and I, you know, don't understand what it's like to, you know, feel like sick all the time. And she just made it seem like um, I had basically made it up all in my head and how I wasn't a good friend because I wasn't supporting her through her diagnosis that I don't believe actually happened. <laughs> like, did you say that? I don't think it's kind of real. I didn't want to turn it into like a, an accusation type thing. So I yeah. really said, I really like verbatim. I said, I'm not, I feel like you kind of echo everything that I go through. And when I come to you for support, you just um, telling me that you're going through the same thing and you're not really being like a support system for me. You're just sort of copying me and it doesn't help me try to figure out what I'm supposed to do with my life now that I'm newly diagnosed. If you're just telling me, 
oh, I'm going through the same thing. That's so awful. Who does that? Honestly, who mimics no one else's symptoms? It seems sort of like it's a competition. Like It's not a competition, man. I don't know who would actually want to be diagnosed with a rheumatic disease. Like no one wants to feel that way. So it's, it's interesting that you bring that up. Yeah. And that was, that was, I've had so many conversations, you know, just saying that being like, it really made it seem like I was so sad and I was so heartbroken about having to navigate my life with this illness now, but it seemed like she just wanted to like, not celebrate it, but it was something that was like, oh, we can joke around about it or, oh, we can talk about it because, oh, we're both going through the same thing. But for me, it was really, really vulnerable and really personal. And it was, I wasn't as excited, I guess, as she was, but yeah, it's, it's strange. <laughs> so you ended the friendship. How did that end? Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I had to just set like a really hard boundary for myself and it was just, it was, it was cut off. Like, oh, we, we didn't talk after those messages and I, I never talked to her again. Honestly, I blocked her on everything so that she can't see my journey. She can't see what I'm going through. And it was just... I was really, really upset about it for days, you know, like I, I cried about it and felt upset about it, felt, oh, maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I was too hard on her. But I think I knew deep down in my heart that the best way for me to just internalize and deal with my diagnosis was to focus on myself and not really anybody else. <laughs> yeah. And, and that makes so much more sense. And it's also you had to like go through that, but I'm glad now you know how to focus on yourself and like not take other people's like words and not everyone is that genuine and I feel like you you know best about that too I mean good for you to be able to like cut that off you were friends with her for a really long time or not really Um, probably about like three or four years like we were roommates we lived together for a while uh yeah we were really close Uh, but I I don't know I mean once I got sick and I think everyone else can relate to that is once you get sick, you know, nothing else really matters except for figuring out a way to take care of yourself and how to deal with it. Sometimes you have to make hard decisions when it comes to your health, but if you make them, you know, with confidence and with integrity, then you'll always be okay at the end of the day. Right. (laughs) And so who was your alternate support system? You know, now you didn't have your friend. So is it just family other friends well yeah I had other friends who, who were who good kind of to, to talk to and to update them and things like that and you know friendships were obviously really important but if I have to say obviously like my fiance is a really big support system he does almost everything for me but in the beginning my biggest support system was the internet <laughs> was everyone on the internet <laughs> um I felt like completely lost in the beginning. I didn't know anyone who was this young who had arthritis. Um, I didn't even know that you can get arthritis this young. I knew absolutely nothing. So when you don't know anything, the first thing you do is go to the internet. <laughs> so that's yeah. exactly what I did. I found some, you know, people on Instagram first off, and I joined like a couple of Facebook groups. And I found that most of the Facebook groups were older people so that didn't really it was good to learn information but I didn't really connect with you know anybody on that type of level but on Instagram there's you know so many people who are like have juvenile arthritis who got diagnosed young and who got diagnosed in their teens and their 20s and that's when I really realized there's like a whole community of people out there who understand and are going through exactly what I'm going through 
but they actually are. They're not lying about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly the same thing here. Well, my mom went to the internet first before I did because I was diagnosed at 13. So I think like, like I didn't really go to the internet. I was sad at this point. I don't want to go to the internet, but like she went on my behalf. And then, and then I was like, I think after a while, like two years later, I wanted support. So I started Googling, okay, like support groups. And like you said, literally Facebook groups, older people, um, and a lot of the groups were like, kids get arthritis too. And then you just see parents talking about it, about their kids. And like, I think it's perfectly valid for parents to have their own support group. And like, that's totally fine. Well, like, it was like, kids get arthritis too. And then you're like, you're hoping that a kid will be in there. And it's like, no, they're not. I think in the, in the beginning, I kind of went to Instagram just to learn information and just to see other people kind of like talk about their journey with arthritis and I, I didn't really post anything about it I didn't really talk too much about my experiences because I just wanted to feel like there were other people out there so I used them for support instead of me trying to be a support person for other people I remember when I was talking to my friend who's no longer my friend anymore and she told me that like I, you know, lack empathy and I'm like not a nice person. I really went to the internet and that's when I knew that she was wrong because I, I liked hearing other people's stories and I liked feeling like I could relate to them and I liked listening and learning through other people's journeys who have the same problems I do. And like, I just think Instagram and like the community that I guess both of us are part of, it's just beyond beneficial a lot of people don't realize that till they get into it and they like keep seeing more and more people and this bigger community than they've ever seen and yeah we're both really heavily involved in it and I think the more people that know about it the better it is right like because like five years ago I didn't know about an Instagram community like this right and like fast forward to now like now I know and now I'm involved now I have friends in the same community and like we make connections we do different projects and a lot of people don't know about it. So, and it's almost sad because, you know, I did four years, years of university taking gerontology and health studies, and we learned about arthritis and like, of course, because a lot of seniors have arthritis and stuff, but it was never mentioned in any of the literature that when we learned about arthritis, that it's not just an old person's disease. So it's funny looking back at it being like, there's a whole, you know, education institution there that's pushing this one thing about arthritis that it's it's for old people and old people get arthritis and blah, blah, blah. And then at the end of my university career is when I got diagnosed with arthritis. And I was like, how is this not taught like at all? How is it not said that it's not just an old person's disease? It's just mind boggling to me. <laughs> and I think like even studying health, I'm doing biomedical sciences, like studying science and like STEM throughout university. Like you do have those courses, like I have anatomy, I have biology, like it's never even brought to our attention. You just cover cancer. And honestly, arthritis is probably common. We just don't like talk about it to be common. It's probably a little bit more rare in like children, but it is very prevalent when you start going to those communities and you see like every other person has arthritis. Yeah, for sure. And it's just crazy to think like how many people that we know who have arthritis and like throughout us, myself being younger, just not even thinking that it could ever be a thing that happens to younger people. And it's like, if you're not, if you're not telling children and young adults that it's possible for them to get arthritis, when they start having symptoms, how are you guiding them on where to go and how to handle them and how to know the signs?
right? You just, you're a lot, you're lost. You don't know. <laughs> you don't. So segueing from psoriatic arthritis, you also have costochondritis. Maybe you can just give the audience a little bit of a background of like what that is and how that specifically affects you. So in a very broad way, it's just inflammation of the muscles on, in your like chest wall. Um, so basically the easiest way to explain it is, you know, like those little muscles that you have in between your rib cage, they're called like intercostal muscles. Sometimes those will get inflamed in my chest and it will cause like severe chest pain where, um, if you, if you research it and you look it up, it, it says that it feels similar to like a heart attack or, um, a really bad spasm inside of your chest. Um, and that's just another symptom of the chronic inflammation that I have in my body because of the arthritis and the psoriatic arthritis. Were you diagnosed with it or like, is that how it works? Like your doctor diagnoses you? I think my situation was a little bit unique because I got diagnosed with costochondritis probably four years before I got diagnosed with my actual arthritis, which is kind of opposite. Um, because, oh my gosh, I think I was in my like last year of high school and I started getting these really bad chest pains and it's like dropped to the floor, chest pains, like, oh my God, something's like wrong with me. And then I would just breathe in and out and I would breathe through it and it would go away. And I would be like, this is like the strangest thing I've ever experienced. Like, I don't know what it is. And then I started having like breathing issues for some reason, even though costochondritis doesn't really affect your breathing too much, but, um, I was having some trouble breathing. So I went to the hospital and told them I'm getting really bad chest pains and I'm having trouble breathing and I don't know what it is. And they had done a chest x-ray and the chest x-ray had shown that there was, I guess, swelling in the actual bones. I'm not a hundred percent sure how they had diagnosed me, but I did know that they did an x-ray. And then she came back and she had told me that the severe chest pain that I'm having looks like it's costochondritis. And I was like, well, what in the heck is that? <laughs> and she's like, well, you know, to be brief, it's just swelling in the intercostal muscles in your chest. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I was like, do I go on medication for that? Is there anything I'm supposed to do? And she was like, no, <laughs> just, you know, deal with it as it comes. It's like, okay, cool. Don't. And I didn't really understand anything she she just told me that it was swelling in my chest and I was like okay yeah so is there a treatment no right there isn't a treatment in terms of biologics or, or pills or things like that um it's mostly if you don't have a lot of inflammation going on in your body you're less likely to have you know an attack I, I like to call them I don't think calling them an attack is like a medical term or anything but um just that like intense feeling um I, they're more common to happen if you're having an arthritis flare-up. So if there's already a lot of swelling and, you know, joint pain happening in your body, I believe that it's more common that you'll get that strain and that, you know, chest pain that you get with it. But I don't want everyone to worry <laughs> that just because they have, you know, arthritis, this is going to happen to them. But if it does, your heating pad will be your best friend in the entire world. You just wrap that bad boy around your chest and you're good to go. I'm not like diagnosed with costochondritis, but I went to my doctor because I did have like pain like around my chest area. Um, and he was like, oh yeah, like it's costochondritis. And I was like, wait, what do you mean? I was like, so how do we like treat it? Because like it hurts. Oh, um, the thing is, is, like when you like press it, it hurts, but also 
when you breathe sometimes it just like yeah. it's really intense there and he was like yeah it'll just go away so like it's not like that big of a deal but like if you wanted something like a heat pad would be like really helpful and i was like okay great it's gone so i think like if it's probably different it obviously differs between people i think it is one of those like common like side symptoms of arthritis because i feel like just from researching and going through my own stuff i feel like there's the very big oh yes this is definitely arthritis so that's the swelling in your joints and the you know the ankle pain the foot feet fingers and all that stuff but then there's always little side things that you don't really think are arthritis and then you go online and you're like oh my god someone suffers that too like in the morning sometimes i'll get really bad it feels like my arm is asleep and it kind of tingles down my wrist and very on like the palm of my hand and that was happening to me for years before I got diagnosed, but I just thought, oh, whatever, it's just aches and pains. And then I talked to my rheumatologist about it and she's like, oh, that's because the swelling in your wrist like compresses the nerve in your hands. So you get pain on the top of your hands and your elbows. And although, you know, if you told your GP, oh, I have a pain in my elbow and a pain in my arm, they're not gonna be like, oh yeah, that's arthritis. But people who have arthritis get those little weird random pains. I always think that there's a bunch of side symptoms that kind of get overlooked until you realize other people have that too. Yeah. <laughs> and I think is one of them. <laughs> yeah. Also like sciatic pain. Like, I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's kind of like the nerve. I had a lot of that, especially when I was like diagnosed with arthritis, it probably has like some sort of correlation, but like not really. Cause like that's nerve and that's joint. And like, yeah. I don't know much about it, but all I know is that I know my doctor told me it's kind of like it was in the same area and that was like sometimes I was like okay is this arthritis pain or is this like sciatic pain like yeah. can someone tell me what it is and I think most of the time we confuse what is what if you have a bunch of symptoms it's like do I know if this is arthritis or something else for sure it's like those memes you kind of see on the internet sometimes where you're like oh no like something else hurts like is this arthritis like or should I just get it checked out or should I leave it oh I don't know do I bring it up to my doctor and it's just like I don't know maybe you bumped your elbow and you forgot and you're like oh no <laughs> something <Yeah>. else <laughs> to kind of speak on the opposite of that actually I had like a really not so pleasant experience in like the emergency room once but because i have really um bad swelling in my wrist i um have i was kind of used to like the severe pain which sounds so crazy because if you tell anybody else who has who doesn't have an autoimmune disease oh i'm so used to this pain they'd be like that's not normal but you tell that to someone else who has an autoimmune disease and they're like oh yeah yeah that's severe pain i'm used to that too that's fine <laughs> but anyways it was really bad and it wasn't going away and the swelling was getting worse. So I was like, why don't I just go to like an urgent care center, not the ER or anything like that, but just the urgent care center. And they did a, um, a bunch of x-rays and obviously they asked for my medical history and I told them I had arthritis in my wrist and whatever. And so she came up to me and she did an exam and she was like, well, our x-rays show that you broke your wrist two weeks ago. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, yeah, you, you broke your wrist. We can see it on the x-ray. And I was like, was I walking around for two weeks with a broken wrist and I just thought it was regular arthritis pain? And she was like, yep. And I was like, that is the most insane thing I have ever heard in my life. <laughs> what would you do? You wouldn't know any better. And she said, thankfully it healed in the right spot and everything's fine. So like, you don't have to re-break it or do anything. Just wear like a splint for a little bit and you'll be okay. Okay. So that was that. And I left the like urgent care being like, so basically I'm like a badass because I can break my bones and can't even feel it. 
Yeah. Interesting. Sometimes you don't know what's arthritis and what's not, and you don't know when to make those decisions. It's just really confusing because not only do you have arthritis, but you can also have other things going on. Like it's not just, it's just arthritis and nothing else. Exactly. That's my mind goes to that all the time. Any like ache or pain or something. I'm like, oh, it's just arthritis. Ignore it. I'm like, I probably shouldn't do that now after that experience. (laughs) So let's, let's talk about Instagram because we talked about that a few minutes ago. And you're really active on your Instagram page and you kind of like share your life living with psoriatic arthritis. When did you kind of start posting more about your diagnosis? Yeah. So I think it was maybe seven or eight months after I had gotten diagnosed. And like I said, I used Instagram as like an education tool in the beginning, not so much as like an advocacy tool too much. But um So once I got like a decent support system on Instagram, because once I had followed a couple of people who had psoriatic arthritis and I had spoken to them and they had followed me back and things like that, I realized I, why can't I like poke fun at myself sometimes? Or why can't I, you know, joke around about what it's like to have a chronic illness. And so I just kind of tried it and I like made a couple of videos our little reels, I guess. And like, they did okay. And people liked them and commented. And I was like, Oh, you like people actually kind of like this. And then I did a little bit more, not research, but I just kind of looked through the hashtags of like arthritis and psoriatic arthritis on Instagram. And a lot of them were just um, like infographics about, Oh, you know what it is and how does it affect you and what you should eat and what you should drink to, you know, help your arthritis. And it seemed like there wasn't really a space for people to go and just like not laugh and make jokes but just connect in kind of like a humorous and funny way yeah so I thought you know what like I see other people doing it and like clearly there's a need there and I think more young faces that talk about arthritis is always a better thing just to kind of I don't want to say that arthritis is stigmatized, but arthritis is definitely stereotyped as an old person's or a senior's disease. And I just thought, why don't I just have a little bit of fun and see what I can do? And then as you know, I started connecting with more and more people and more and more people resonated with me. I was like, well, you know, why don't I do this more often? Why don't I put like a little bit of effort into it and like see kind of like where it takes me and just liked it ever since. So I just keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, and that's really good. I think that's kind of where, you know, we followed each other as well. And you know, you're already like growing that community. And yeah, you mentioned reels and TikToks and stuff. It's so important. Well, I guess in our perspective, like if someone else were to make humor about arthritis and they didn't have arthritis, like I'd be mad. And I think everyone would be mad for people that actually have that lived experience. It's funny and relatable. And that's what we need in our life because we are literally sad for most of our life. And for sure, (laughs) we just need that. A lot of people that are doing that, including ourselves, like we're, we're doing a good job. I see a lot of comments on everyone's reels and stuff and people are relating to it. And I think that's what matters because it shows that you're making a difference. You're supporting people. And yeah. I just talked to a girl from Germany, I guess it was two nights ago, and she was like, you're the first person on social media I've ever seen who is my age and has psoriatic arthritis. And I was like, oh my gosh, Like, <laughs> I can't believe A, my video was being watched in Germany, that's crazy, and that it actually was like a first experience for someone and that they felt, you know, resonated enough to like message me and let me know and ask me questions. And it's just like, even if that happens, 
once a month or not even maybe once or twice a year it still is one person and that makes yeah. me special and I hope that they feel special <laughs> that we can have yeah. that I I totally agree with that like when the take a paycheck dms gets like one message saying hey like my daughter like has arthritis she's been watching your podcast and I'm just like that is like so nice and I the fact that we're impacting you and like even impacting your daughter indirectly and things like that it just makes us also keep going and keep doing what we want to do to impact others and I think indirectly we're also like helping ourselves too, like cope with our own pain I mean living with like chronic pain and chronic fatigue is just it's mentally exhausting and it's 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 sad you know what I mean there are some days where we get up in the morning and we feel like crap and it's like I am you know, really sad about the body that I have right now. And I'm not happy with it. And I feel stuck and all of those stereotypical feelings that everyone gets when they have an autoimmune disease. And you can let that overtake your life and you can be depressed and sad and stay on the couch. And if that's what you choose to do, you know, that that's okay. Or you can take another route where you you get up and you try your best and you make these connections and you make jokes and you goof around and you just talk about it right? (laughs) And that's what you've been doing. And I guess this is a good kind of like segue to the next part. So you've been doing that and you joined Take a Pain Check as an ambassador, but you also work with Patient Rising, which I've heard about a lot and seen a lot on social media. So maybe tell me, how did you find out about the Take a Pain Check ambassador program? Um, Oh my goodness. I actually just casually through scrolling on like my For You page, um, it came up and I was like, oh, you know, like, what is this? And then I kind of like watched some of the reels and looked at some of the photos. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this is so cute. And I thought the name was hilarious. <laughs> so, you know, I gave like you guys a follow. And then I think it was really cool because post it you know, a lot about kind of like your ambassadors a little bit before I joined. So I knew that there was an ambassador program that you were doing or you were thinking of doing it. I'm not quite sure exactly the timeline, but it was spoken about a little bit before I actually joined. And I mean, I just thought that was cool because if you get a group of people who know what it's like to live with arthritis, I mean, that's more impactful than just one person making one reel. Do you know what I mean? I totally agree with that. And thanks for sharing that. Like, I, I didn't even know like half of the people because we did get like an ambassador from like England. And I'm like, oh, how, did, how did you find us? Like, like you mentioned, even about Germany, obviously Instagram is so international. But when it actually hits you that someone from a different across the world okay has watched your videos and thinks you're like supporting them and like you've been supporting them this whole time and they tell you that it's like shocking (laughs) but like drives you to keep doing it because you're just like man like if my if my video or if my reel or if my joke or my events went halfway across the world and someone enjoyed it like how much more can I do? How many more people can I reach? You know, it's just, it's it's insane how far you can really go with Instagram, quite honestly. So we talked a little bit about Take a Pain Check really briefly in your role as an ambassador and how you got to know about that. So sometimes I'm just like, why? Like my embarrassing TikTok on someone's review page, like, please don't see it. But I, <laughs> I know it makes a difference. So it's okay. And I'm surviving. But for your patient rising role, like what is your role? What do you do? So they're a coordinator. Uh, his name is Jim, but he had actually reached out to me because um, like he had followed me first and he had seen that I was someone who was, you know, struggling with psoriatic arthritis. So he reached out to me and kind of explained what his program was. And basically they spread awareness and do advocacy and education. 
Mm -hmm. people with all different types of chronic illnesses, rare diseases, disabilities. And what they do is they feature you kind of on their page. So you can pick a photo that you want to post of yourself and a little snippet of your diagnosis and kind of like a who you are, what you do type deal. And so uh, they, they do that just to kind of show the faces of our community and show you like other people to connect to and kind of like, you know, make, make those friendships and make those relationships. Um, so that's kind of what their Instagram is for, but their whole website and their whole non-for-profit organization um, is really just about spreading awareness and education about healthcare systems and social support supports <laughs> for people who have um, rheumatic diseases and other type of diseases. So I believe it is a United States thing as of now in terms of their website. So if you go to their website, you can read a whole bunch of resources they have about, um, you know, different type of illnesses and different type of um, like doctors to speak to. That's cool. I've seen them a lot on Instagram. And so I've been seeing how they share other people's stories. And I think that's so empowering and it impacts other people as well you know like knowing that someone else your age like has that diagnosis it just makes such a big difference in your life so I mean shout out to them I guess I wanted to end off with kind of an advice segment you're heavily involved in the Instagram community and the chronic illness community to someone who's kind of just diagnosed starting off and is looking for support what would be your advice to them if they wanted to reach out or be involved in the community I mean I would say that the chronic illness community is probably one of the most inviting communities out there because we know what it's like to be vulnerable and isolated and you know sad and (laughs) I know that sounds very disheartening so maybe that wouldn't be the best way to start the sentence but you know being diagnosed with a chronic illness it isolates you and just don't get stuck in that isolation because once you get stuck in there it's so hard to get out and I think social media and organizations like Take a Pain Check and Patient Rising is a great way to just start getting yourself out there and start asking the questions. Um, Because the last thing you want to do is kind of cower in your bed and put your head, you know, your covers over your head and cry about it for too long. Cry about it and, you know, get under the blanket and comfort yourself just like everyone else does. But, um, you know, community and support is one of the most important things once you get diagnosed with a chronic illness because it's so isolating. It's just we're all so kind and so friendly and the community has just invited me from the very beginning. And I would want that for every single person out there who's struggling with a rheumatic disease or any other chronic condition. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much, Alina, for coming on to the podcast today. We had a really good time talking about your psoriatic arthritis. Yes, it does not sound that wonderful, but we did dive deep into all the situations you've had in your life, how your best friend was unfortunately not the person you could rely on. But you also had wonderful friends and family who were like by your side all throughout your diagnosis journey and still right now. Thank you for sharing your perspective and your experiences and the ways you advocate. Yeah, everyone like, comment, subscribe, check out Alina's social media channels, check out (laughs) Rising, all that fun stuff. And I'll see everyone in two weeks on Take a Pain Check. Thank you. Bye.